Today, you know who's in the house. Would you, People's Church, come on both locations. Come on, give in Oklahoma City. Come on, put your hands together and welcome Marion Jones. Good morning. Thank you. Well, I tell you, I want to maximize our time with Marion, so I'm going to How's just... everybody? Yeah, yeah. Good. Wake up, wake Let up. Let her get... Oh, she wants you to wake up. Come on. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> we need some um, energy yeah. here. I'm going to let you get started. Just All tell right. us kind of your early days, your beginnings, where you grew oh. up. Give us a little bit of your well, history. first of all, let me say how excited I am to be back in Oklahoma. Um, as you guys saw, I spent a couple summers down the street in Tulsa, playing with Tulsa Shock, and took some trips here to Oklahoma City for some nightlife and uh, <laughs> uh, to see a couple of Thunder games. And so um, you guys have a special place in my heart, so I'm glad to be back. But um, let's rewind a little bit and, and, as you said, maximize our time here. I grew up in California. I'm a California girl at heart. I um, was raised by my mom. My parents divorced when I was very young. I have one older brother. And uh, I saw my mom sacrifice a lot for us. Um, at an early age, we realized that I was just born and blessed with an incredible amount of physical talent. And my mom started to put me in situations where I could maximize that. So I started participating in sports, everything you name it, from soccer to gymnastics to basketball to track and field. And um, we, just, we just knew that this is what I, what I wanted to do. Uh, my mom worked lots of jobs, you know, on that show back in the day, Martin, where the Jamaican had like all those jobs. That was like my mom, right? Making sure that I had the best coaching, the best equipment to, to maximize my talents. So much that at the age of 15, um, I made my first Olympic team. And at that summer, I opted not to go so I could, as my mom says, work on my math problems <laughs> in school. Did you guys um, catch that at the age of what? Yeah. But to me, I just, I love to do it. And I just happened to be just really, really good at it and um, absolutely loved it. So um, at the age of 17, I decided to take a basketball scholarship to the University of North Carolina. So I traveled from California all the way to the East Coast and was, was a member of the 94 national championship team. Um, and so I was busy juggling um, two sports. I was a track and field athlete, a basketball athlete, but around that time, my junior year, I started to experience my first set of injuries, and I realized that um, I had to figure out who I was, that sports couldn't be the most important thing in my life, and so for the first time, I really started to face some real issues in my life, and um, one of them were the disconnection that I had with my biological father, um, as I mentioned, my parents were divorced and I was very young and um, I, I had no relationship with him. And so around that time when I didn't have my sports to rely on because I was hurt, I, I started to try and was dealing with a lot of issues in my life and it was very tough for me. Um, so I decided that um, I participated in both sports in college, was very successful in basketball and track and decided to graduate in four years with a communications and journalism degree. And I wanted to get back into the sport of track and field. I had played basketball primarily while at college, but I missed the sport of track and field that 
I mean, it was my first love. I'm passionate about it. And I graduated in 1997, and immediately I got back on the track and field scene and made a huge impact, so much that within 10 weeks, I was the number one sprinter in the world. So you graduated from college, mm -hmm. and within 10 weeks? 10 weeks. Wow. Um, but at that same time, now looking back, I, I can see the disconnect that I had with in a lot of areas in my life. For one, I started to surround myself with people who certainly didn't have my best interest at heart. Um, you know, I, I like to say that my mom did the best with my brother and I, um, with us you know, instilling the proper morals. But, um, you know, sometimes we go astray. And I started to really like the compliments. And I started to really like the pat on the back and my head getting bigger and bigger. And because fame and success came to me so quickly, um, and I didn't have that person in my life who would, like, you know, be right there. I, I distanced myself from my mother, who would give it to me right and straight. But because I knew she would, I distanced myself from her. And because you're an adult, you could do that. And um, got caught up in just a lot of mess. Wow, wow. And so, graduate from college. Yeah. Fastest athlete woman on the planet. Yeah. And then, what happens there? Tell, tell us the, yeah. about winning the Olympics and gold medals right. and give us some of that story. Well, after I graduated from college, and as I mentioned, I um, just achieved a lot of success. In 1999, I was really on top of the world. I was winning everything. I was all over the world. I was making lots of money on the cover of every major magazine that you can imagine. And um, I really felt to my heart that I could win five gold medals in Sydney. And so in 1999, I um, kind of, I guess flippantly, said, hey, yeah, I can win five goals. Well, only because, not, not in a cocky sort of way, I think a lot of people interpret it as that, but more as I'm just super confident in my abilities. Like, like even now, like I'll, all the time people are like, when I walk through the airports, I'll race you. And I'm like, if I had a penny for every time. So if I see you after church and you give me that line, we're going to have major problems. Actually, actually we, we got it set up that I'm going to race Marion. <laughs> after church today. What's up? Y'all know who's going to get her, don't you? I think most of them will have their money off me. <laughs> Come on. Anyways, um, so I went to Sydney, and I, um, I mean, it was wonderful. I, I won three gold medals and, and two bronze medals, and I was literally on top of the world. But I was still very distant um, in terms of dealing with some major, major pain in my world. I was... Um, I think I was projecting this strong woman image, and I think a lot of us do that. But inside, I was just really dealing with a lot of pain and trying to really figure out who I was. I, looking back, I have friends now that I can joke about this type of stuff with, but I look at all the magazines. I was on the cover of Vogue, Sports Illustrated, Essence, Ebony, and I, you see this strong person, but you don't know really what's going on inside of them. I... Grew up um, in a household where we believed in God, um, but it really wasn't present in our everyday lives. Um, I was baptized in a Methodist church, and occasionally on Easter and Christmas we'd go to services, but it wasn't part of our everyday life. And it was one of those relationships that I had with him where when I ran really well, I would thank God. And when I didn't perform like I wanted to, I would say, come on, Marion. You know, I would, it was all about me. 
Um, and so now, looking back, I can see all that. But when you're in the midst of it and you're, you know, 21 years old and you're making millions of dollars and everybody's telling you that you're great, um, you, don't, you don't see what the major issues are. So around that time, prior to the Olympic Games in Sydney, um, I had this bubble around me from managers to coaches to masseuse people. And I relied heavily, heavily on my inner circle. Um, I was very cautious about anybody getting into that inner circle, and I trusted this inner circle so much that prior to the games, I uh, made the choice to listen to a coach of mine and, and take supplements, or what I thought were supplements. Um, come to find out a number of years later that they weren't, and they were indeed performance-enhancing drugs. Um, and in 2003, you know, some of the older folks might remember, but there was this huge investigation with federal investigators and trying to figure out which prominent athletes were doing performance-enhancing drugs, and my name got caught up in it. And at that time, I was dumbfounded as everybody else because from what I knew, I had just been given supplements and were taking them. And when I was confronted by federal investigators, and it's this drawn-out scene where myself and my attorneys are in a conference room and we're sitting across the table from FBI agents and they're asking me questions. Um, we were asked, it was supposed to be an interview, similar to this, right? <laughs> Sounds like it wasn't an interview <laughs> like this is what I gather. And, and we were asked to come in to share any knowledge that we had about this particular company who was supplying these performance-enhancing drugs, and I agreed, knowing that I didn't have any knowledge of it. So we went in, and four and a half hours later, we realized that I was the target, and they actually thought that I was involved. So much that by towards the end of it, they, one of the agents pulled out a little Ziploc bag, and they waved it in front of my face, and immediately I realized that what was in the bag was indeed something that I had taken. Um, and I realized that this was the particular substance that had been in the news. This was the particular substance that everybody was talking about. And I realized that if I had admitted at that point that indeed I had taken it, whether or not I knew about it or not, so much of what I had worked for and dreamt of would be taken away. So in the span of 30 seconds, Right? I can remember, I mean, like it was yesterday, I made the choice to lie. Wow. I made the choice to cover it up and, and tell them that I knew nothing about it. Um, and it was the wrong thing to do, obviously. But when I, when I told them I didn't know anything about it, they quickly called off the interview, said, you know, we, we don't believe you. But for a few years, then I was able to go back to my normal routine or as normal as I thought. But so so after, after you said I didn't do it, I don't know anything about it, they just, I don't believe you, and just dropped it and you, you left. Yes, and we knew that they were still investigating. I tried to put it way, way back, thinking that it would go away. I mean, as we all know, even a little lie never goes away. Um, Let me ask you, if you had told them the truth, what would have happened? Well, things would have been a lot different. Um, I certainly would have been held responsible, um, but I don't think the consequences would have been as harsh. Um, the issue with me is that prior to going into the interview, um, my attorneys and I 
well, I signed this letter. It's called um, Queen for a Day. And what that is is you're saying that you're going to go into this interview and you're going to tell these investigators the truth. And no matter what it is, in a lot of instances it's murder or whatever, no matter, no matter what it is, if you help them, they cannot prosecute you. And so that's where the issue came. A lot of people think I went to prison because I took steroids. Or, no, I, I didn't. I went to prison because I lied to fellow investigators. So that, that's, that's what went down. Um, but I was able to resume running after I had this interview with them, and they were still doing their investigation. And I was, by that time, I had distanced myself from that inner circle, um, from that coach, and I was running, and I was still winning, and... Um, Really, you know, everybody thought things were great, but as we all know, when you carry such a huge burden, eventually it starts to weigh on you, yeah. and it starts to get heavy. So in 2003, I had my first son. Um, he's nine now. But when you have kids, things become, well, for many of us, it's not for all of us, but things become very clear. And I can remember you know, disciplining my son and saying, you know, Monty, when you do something wrong, you have to come to mom, you know, we deal with the consequences and then you move on. And then I'd look in the mirror and I'd realize, gosh, what a hypocrite you are. You know, you're telling your child this, but you're not living it. You know, I made a mistake. I knew in my heart that I had made a horrible mistake by lying. What am I going to do to make this right? And um, in 2006, um, I met just an awesome man of God, and we made the decision that we were going to have to, as many people said, come clean. But no, I wanted to start anew. Wow. I wanted to start fresh. And I decided that the time was then as, I mean, I'm still winning races now. I'm still, you know, the number one athlete in the world. But um, this burden was too much. I had a child. I'm trying to make you know, teach him right and do the right thing. And I'm just not living right. Um, and so I'd made the choice that I was going to finally tell the world what I had done. And in 2007, as you saw in the video, I pled guilty to lying. So from to 2003 to 2007, you just carried yeah. the secret and, and yeah. denied, denied, thinking that, you know, I could cover it up and, um, and, on one hand, I could, but on the other hand, it just was, it was too much, too much for me, too much for my family. So in 2007, I, we did it. I, I, I you know, pled guilty, and we were advised by our, my legal advisors that, um, you know, the chances of you actually going to prison are slim to none. Right. If you're ever in that situation, let me tell you. <laughs> Uh, no, but um, the probation, I don't know if anybody understands the court system, but prior to sentencing, there's what's called a probation department, and they do a review of the case. And he, actually, the probation department had recommended probation for me, that I would be best be um, best by helping the community and talking to kids. Well, the judge saw otherwise. And two and a half, three hours later into the sentencing, I looked back, looked at my attorneys, I looked back at my husband, and I said, did he say six months? Wow. Um, and I had never, I mean, I, I knew that there was always a chance that I could go to prison, but 
the reality of it was so distant. I never knew anybody that had gone to prison. Um, I, all I knew was the, the horror-type shows that you see on TV and these lock-up shows. And, this, and I was in, how could all of this have, have happened? So you're sitting there in the courtroom literally shocked, surprised yeah. at what you're hearing. I mean, I could you know, hear my mom a couple rows back crying. It just was, I mean, I can't. Um, I hate to I hate to have to relive it so often. I, I travel around the world. It, it, we'll get to this in a few moments, but ama it's amazing how God can absolutely turn your life around. And in the span yeah. of um, two and a half, three years, I'm, the U.S. State Department is asking me to be an ambassador and travel around the world to share my take a break message to kids. Right? So the same people who, <laughs> right. who right. we won't get into who convicted that. you are now asking. <laughs> Come, come, come on, somebody. That's God, huh? Yeah, yeah, it, no doubt. Um, but uh, it, was, it was extremely tough. I knew at that point when I was sentenced, I had two boys. Um, I had just given birth to my second son, and I knew that by going to prison, not only will it you know, turn my world upside down, but I wouldn't be with my kids for their birthdays. and um, It was just really, really, really tough. So... The judge said that sentencing was going to be on January 4th. That's my mom's birthday. So I pleaded that he not do it on my mom's birthday. Um, and he sentenced to me to one of the hardest female correction inst institutions in the country. Wow. Um, it was certainly not one of those country club type settings that you see some celebrities get sentenced to. Um, his reasoning was... Um, for my protection, um, but he didn't. He didn't know that God was working on me, and that no matter what situation that you put me in, that I was I was going to be a blessing to somebody. Wow. Um, and so my husband and I made the choice to um, to send my boys to Barbados, where my husband's from to keep them out of the, the media and the limelight. And I never wanted to, I, I, while I was incarcerated, I um, was very cautious of parents and their kids coming. And I never wanted my kids to get comfortable in that situation, especially, you know, African-American boys. I never wanted them to see, oh, oh, it's okay. You know, it's not so bad in prison. And so as hard it was for me not to see them and probably them not to see me, um, it, it was the best. So I, I get wow. to FMC Carswell, which is a, a female institution in Fort Worth, Texas, um, the first day. And I walk in and I, I can remember there being um, a news story and then I'm walking past the TV room and the news story is about me <laughs> going in. Like, usually when you go to prison, most people are kind of anonymous sometimes. And like, hey, yeah, it's me. <laughs> and, and the women coming up some for autographs. But I'll tell you that um, I, I probably met some of the most inspirational women that I've ever met. Um, you never know where God's going to put you and where you're going to be blessed. And so many of these women who were sentenced to much longer sentences than I did, um, would wake up every morning with this sense of hope, mm. right? And I, there, were, there were days 
where I was at my lowest of low, and I would say, how, Marion, how did you get yourself in this situation? Why had you made certain choices? Um, and I would be in this like low, low spot, and then I would look down the hall or, or in my room, or, and I'd see these women wake up, and they have sentences of 10 and 15 years, and they're waking up with this sense of hope. Like, I get to see my kids in six months. Some of these women haven't seen their kids in 12, 13 years. They get no letters. They get no phone calls, but yet something's going on inside of them. Like, what is that? Mm. Right? And so, like, they were the inspiration for me. Wow. Um, while I was there, um, another situation happened. I'm telling you, you can't can't mess with somebody whose who's God has had their hand on, right? And yeah. so, uh, while I was there, I was attacked. Um, by a roommate of mine, and I spent 48 days in solitary confinement. Just, just me. But you know, people. Whenever I say that part, people are like, "Really?" It was a, the biggest blessing ever. Biggest blessing Let to be in solitary you. confinement. Yes. Locked up by yourself. By yourself. For 20, 20, 23 out of 24 hours a day, and sometimes 24 out of 24 hours a day, if the guard didn't feel like going into the Texas sun that day for an hour. Wow. Um, and the reason that it was the biggest blessing is because for the first time it forced me to really see what's important. You see, while I was in, while I was in the campsite, um, where all of the inmates were, you have a lot going on. You know, you have to work, you have to try and figure out your space, who's, who's foe, who's friend, you know, that type of stuff. But when you're by yourself, you have nothing else to focus on, but but what's in front of you? And I was blessed to be able to have my Bible. I was blessed to still be able to get letters from, from old women who were just praying for me. I, congregations who are just putting money on my books and I don't even know. Wow. Just blessing me in so many ways and encouraging me. And these are people who could care less if I run from here to there in 10 seconds. Wow. They're just loving on me. I'm like, how do, why do people do that? How do people do that? And so while I'm in there every day, my relationship with God is getting stronger and stronger awesome. and stronger. And the, I can remember the warden coming to see me a lot because um, there were media requests and, and whatnot. And um, a lot of times I would have my back to her and she would say, you know, she would yell out your inmate number, which I thought was, was horrible. I mean, it's just another way of making you feel like you're nothing. And so a lot of times I wouldn't even turn around and I would hold my Bible up to have her see that this is what I'm into right now. Don't bother me. Wow. Don't bother <laughs> me. Um, but it's, it's, what, it's what started me on this, on that, hey, you know, Marion, you made poor choices in the past, right? But your life is not over. Yeah. You know, that it, it can be a blessing to so many people. Um, if you if you do the right thing and you listen and you read his word and you rest on it and you know that things can and will get better, right? On, and that's yeah. what got me through, no Come doubt. Come on, let me just say that. That's for somebody today. That's for somebody at Midwest City. Yeah. You made a mistake, but it's not over. Yeah. And we all have, right? That, that's my thing, you know. You, you see people all the time, and, and even now, you can imagine that there are still a lot of critics um, towards me. People don't believe what I say, but I'm like, what am I saying now? I'm not even going back in the past. I'm, I'm telling you that God has made such a huge difference in my life and he can do the same for you. You don't have to be the fastest woman on the earth and have made a mistake for this, for God to work on you. You know, he, he, he loves you. Yeah. You know, he loves you no matter what. He doesn't, I like to say when I, when I travel around, he doesn't read the front page of the newspapers. <laughs> 
you know, he's not in your little gossip circles in church or whatever. He doesn't care about that stuff. He loves you regardless of what you've done, what you've said. And that's, that's the wonderful part of it. That's awesome. You know, like it, it's absolutely true. So while I was in solitary, I figured, you know, I had so much time on my hands, I like to say. <laughs> if you don't laugh about it, you'll cry about it. And I've done so much of that that I'm done with that, you know. Um, but I, I said, okay, Mary, why did you make certain poor choices in your life? And I could have easily pointed to, you know, my parents being divorced or my father not taking an interest in my life. Sure, you could always point to excuses and this person gave me that. And the media loves that type of stuff. Like they want names. They want all that type of stuff. And you, you will see in all of my interviews that I stay away from that. You know, I made poor choice. Um, I paid the consequences. And now let's move on. Yeah. Um, and so while I was in solitary, let me get to this point. While I was in solitary, I said, okay, now, God, we're here. And I really felt that you brought me here for a reason, right? And I, and I feel like the reason was to slow me down, no pun intended, right? Because <laughs> in this world, like I was going so fast. Like I was going so fast. Once again, no pun intended. But I wasn't seeing the big picture. And sometimes you need to be slowed down. Right? You need that quiet time to figure out that like, I'm not the most important thing. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Right? And so for 48 days, I had that slow down, quiet time to figure out, all right, everything going on now, I'm here. I can't do anything about it. Now let's work on what's going to happen. Right? Now, oh God, what's the plan? What's the plan? And so I was released and um, I did the mandatory, you know, big time celebrity interviews with Oprah, trying to share my story. Um, and my husband and I are praying. Like we, in a wonderful church in Austin, Texas, and have a great church family. But now, oh God, where are you going to use me? You know, I can't do my passion of running track anymore. Um, and so many people don't believe me or want to hear from me. But God has obviously blessed me with this ability to communicate with people on a different level. You know, I don't know, although I think the University of North Carolina, that's my alma mater, is a wonderful institution and taught me well, what I'm able to, how I'm able to connect with people is not something that I learned in school. Yeah. It's something else. And so how am I going to get out there and share about this wonderful journey when so many people I'm, are closing the door on me, don't want to hear what I have to say? So um, after I was released and I was pregnant with my third child, I have three kids now, nine, five, and three. Um, I was seven months pregnant, and I get a phone call from our text, actually, from a very close friend that, had, that in the text asked me if I'd ever be interested in playing professional women's basketball. Now understand, I played in college and was very successful, but after I graduated from college in 97, it was all track and field for over a decade. And so this was 2008. I get this text. So, and I'm eight months pregnant. I'm a convicted felon. Okay, all these, <laughs> all this baggage. <laughs> uh, my response text to the friend was, "LOL." Like, yeah, right. You're playing, you're playing a mean joke on me. Um, and so the individual said, "No, there are a number of the coaches in the league has have expressed interest in you playing." Now, where does that come from? You know, I hadn't played in over a decade. You know, the last time really people heard from me was when I was on the courtroom steps apologizing to the world. Like, how is this? And my husband, I, I, I looked at my husband. I said, 
maybe this is maybe this is the sign. You know, I was looking for an outlet to be able to share this message on a larger stage. And to be able to do one of the things that I love doing the most, which is playing basketball. Like, what? This is awesome, right? So we decided that we were going to pursue it, right? I, I knew in my heart that if you give me three, four months, I'm going to be back in shape, right? But of course, people think otherwise. They don't know what's in your heart. So we decided that we were going to attempt to make a WNBA team, right? And you're eight months pregnant when you make this With decision. my third child. With your third child. Right? And I hadn't yeah, played okay. basketball, not professional basketball. <laughs> I hadn't played basketball in over a decade. Okay. So we started, we started, I found a coach. I started training and things, the way things happened, famous coach Nolan Richardson, very popular in these neck of the woods. Everybody knows him. Found out that I was, I was trying to make a team, invited me for tryouts and I made the team. That's awesome. You know, How long did you play with the yeah, team? Yeah, I then? played for almost two seasons, almost two seasons with the shock. And um, it was a shock to my system for a few reasons. <laughs> One, the game um, was much different from when I actually had played. And although physically I was able to keep up with the ladies because I hadn't played for so long, I was, I was rusty yeah. in, a lot of, in a lot of areas. And it was humbling for me to have to sit on the bench you know, because I, all my life, I was always the one out on the court. I was always the one ahead. And so to have to be put in a new position, he's just, God is just challenging me again. Like, how are you going to respond to this? How are, how are you going to be, how are you going to be a blessing to others, even sitting on the bench? Wow. Right? And you have to figure out these things. Okay, you're using me again. That's okay. I'm your <laughs> vessel. You know, you're using me again. And it was a very good experience um, for me to play. Um, it opened up so many doors. That's I awesome. Mean, so many doors. Um, I connected with people whom I would have never connected with. And since I retired from the sport of basketball, um, you know, things are still, I'm still being blessed in so many ways. People want to hear this, hear this message. Um, you know, people talk about redemption. I, I, it's not so much that for me. It's about just sharing God's grace and his love and what he's done for me and that he could do it for anybody. Yeah. Um, so so what, to tell us what, what's happening with you nowadays. What, what are wow. you doing now? What's happening in your life now? What? Wow. It, it's, it's amazing. I am mom to the most wonderful three kids that you'll ever, ever meet. They're so loving and caring and wonderfully annoying and just they are the best you, once you have things taken away from you you appreciate them so much more you know like the little things like them coming down five and six times after you've put them to bed like you know and after that, that six happens time, to you too huh yeah it oh, happens yeah. to me oh, yeah. too but you know i think i'm different because now i'm like oh i love it because <laughs> there were so many nights i didn't have it and i wanted it so bad yeah you know um but to answer your question what i'm doing now i my husband is in law school, um, so we're making that sacrifice. I have started kind of my own program um, to help young girls um, with their fitness and their self-esteem and helping them make good decisions in their life. Still traveling around the country, sharing this message and trying to be a good wife and mom and juggle my life and um, just blessed beyond measure. I cannot even tell you. Wow, wow, I'll tell you how I'd like to wrap up this interview, Marion. Tell, tell us just how your faith mm -hmm. has got you through all of this and where you are. Just, can just end it out with just tell us how your faith has played such a role in this whole... You know, I, I think I'm unique 
in that, and we all are, but I think I'm unique in that. Um, I, at one point, had it all, or I thought I had it all, right? And now I know I have it all. Wow. Wow. Right? I don't know. I hope you guys get it. That yeah. I'm going to preach it. All, okay. Yeah, yeah, that good. all is not about what you drive. It's not about the type of garage you pull into, right? It's not about the type of clothes that you put on your body. Wow. All is knowing that he is here for you no matter what. Yeah. And that if you accept him into your life, it's everlasting life. I mean, yeah. that to me, I, that is all. I have it all now. And you mentioned faith. Um, you know, not knowing what tomorrow will bring is tough. You know, especially when you're going through challenging times. Um, and every day for me is, is a challenge having to relive because of what I do and because of me sharing my journey. Like I have to constantly like relive it. And it's not easy. It doesn't get easy. And I never want it to sound like, like it's a tape recorded message. Although I have shared the story, as you can imagine, a number of times, it's personal to me, and I don't want people to think that this is scripted in any sort of way. It was the most challenging time in my life, but um, I'd like to say, and maybe a couple of you have heard me say it, but I really think that he thinks, he thinks that I'm one bad mamma-jamma <laughs> to have, he must think I'm one tough, tough chick, right? Because he doesn't give you more than you can handle. Yeah. And boy, have I handled, had to handle a lot in my 37 years. Wow. Right? And so he must, like, wow, thank you. You think that I am awesome. Thank you so much. That's the way that I, that's the way that I live. Would you give it up for this bad mama jamma? <laughs> bad mama jamma, Marianne Jones. Thank you, Marion. For sharing your story with the People's Church Thank family you. in Oklahoma Yay. City. Come on, give it up one more time. Thank Come you. on, Midwest City. Give it up for Marion Jones. Thank you. Well, you may be seated just really quick here in just a moment. We're going to give away some autograph gear for Marion Jones. Hope you had your card turned in so we can draw your name. But just for a few moments, maybe you're here and Midwest City, and you thought you had it all, and today you realize you don't have it all. And you thought all was the car, and you're chasing after the dollar bill, you're chasing after the house, you're chasing after the right relationship with some guy, some girl. And here's the raw reality. Marion, what, what a story. As you can be on the top of the world and think you have it all. But until you encounter the love of Jesus Christ, you really don't have it all. And today I want to give you an opportunity to have it all. 